Hey, buddy. What's going on? How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm good. Just, just coming back from uh, uh, a whole lot of different shenanigans this weekend in, in uh, Miami, which is, you know, it was, it was a really fun trip. It's an ex- It was a very tiring trip. It was a long trip, but it was a fun trip. And uh, this weekend we're going to Salt Lake City. And then I'm supposed to have next weekend off from travel at least, but I might end up going to Nashville. And then the weekend after that is Montreal. And then the week after that is San Diego. And then, <laughs> and then if my body still works after spending all that time sitting in an airplane or, you know, running around uh, at various events, I guess I'll probably travel some more. I don't even know. There's like three of those flights that I still haven't booked. I, I need to get on top of that. <laughs> how many how many travel days have you how many like airplane travel days have you had this year, let's say? This year. Um I don't have the easiest way of keeping track of that, but what would you guess? Just looking at my calendar. Um let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, this year has been relatively light. Uh, so I've only had about 12 travel days so far. 12 travel days in about, uh, less than 90 days. Yes. Not it was way less than 90 days in seven weeks. <laughs> it's only, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're not even 60 days through. Oh, no, my no, goodness. no, we're not even, we're, we're not even two months done. We're still before the end of February. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to get this first quarter done in my head already of 2020. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not even through February yet. Wow. Yeah. Did you see been... the video? Did you see the video of the guy in the back row who was punching the chair of the woman who reclined into him? Oh my god! Did you see that video? Yeah, I saw that, and he was just like he was, and he was being such an obnoxious prick about it too, just like. Tunk, 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 keep tapping the back of her, her chair. I don't understand that at all. Like they're, they're, I'm going to give, I'm going to give every human being involved in that the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to say there must've been something else that happened because it makes zero sense for anyone in that situation to behave the way they did. So, so let's, let's assume that she said hey i'm i'm going to recline my chair and then reclined the chair and he was like hey what are you doing i don't have room here my chair doesn't recline can you please move your chair back and she said no i paid for a chair that reclines and i'm going to recline my chair do you think punching the chair repeatedly like a four-year-old is the proper way to deal with that? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Here's the thing. I personally, if you're not, if you're on, um, if you're on a continental flight, like if you're not, if you're not leaving international, if your flight is less than five hours, don't be a bitch. Don't recline your stupid chair. No one is comfortable on that plane. 
Reclining it isn't going to make you any more comfortable. It's not, no one is benefiting from anything involving air travel. It's like, it's, how tall are you? Uh, 5'11". <laughs> you're 5'11"? You're yeah, yeah, yeah. On a good day. 5'11". Even when you're you're seated without the, the extra inch and a half you're adding from your shoes? How dare you? You're fine. How you're, dare you? Is that is that is that baked in to the five eleven? No. Or are you saying no. that you're six feet in shoes? Six feet plus in shoes. In in the normal shoes I wear, I'm like six three. So I I'm five eleven on a day to day basis. I'm I think you, you've man. been spending too much time around elite CrossFitters. That's that is true. I tower over the best CrossFitters in the world, but I'm definitely very close to 5'11". By tower, you mean you're a couple inches taller than like Rich Froning? I think I'm more than a couple inches taller than Rich Froning. I'm way taller than Matt. I just put up a picture of me and Matt on Instagram. Look how much taller yeah. I am than he is. Hold on a second. Let's see if I can show you. I don't know if I've shown you. Let me see. But uh, I, how I, tall is how tall is Matt Fraser? Matt Fraser is like five six, maybe five seven. You know what? It's not a big deal. I'm not going to show you that picture. No, the angles are weird. The angles are weird. No, the angles are weird. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it's not very good at showing how dif- disparate our heights are because I'm leaned in, and uh, the photo is not very good at. You appear to be about. How dare I would you? Say... I'm going to stop you right here. <laughs> Maybe two and a half inches taller than Matt Fraser. I am 5'11", according to my doctor. That's just a fact. What is the point you're getting at? What is the point you're getting at? I'm just saying that maybe you don't have a need to recline your chair. You're telling me that that woman was six feet tall? I don't know how tall she was. Okay. Well, was she fucking starting forward for Ohio State or something? She could have been. Hold on a second. Did I get that right? Is that a position in a tall sport and an actual place? I mean, you just said starting forward at Ohio State. I have, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess there are forwards in basketball. Yes, nailed it. Yeah, you nailed it. Sports. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So my my opinion is, as someone who is average to above average height, probably fair. I'd say I'm above average height. What's the yeah, average you're above height? Average. Okay, so I'm a, the average height of all human beings. Yeah, average yeah. height of all human beings. I'm above average yes. of all human beings, uh, and I would say, arguably, uh, I fly more than most human beings do as well. So, mm-hmm. in my professional opinion, my well-experienced opinion, don't lean your don't don't recline your chair. No one is comfortable, and reclining it does nothing to make anybody better unless you're on a longer flight. If you're on a longer flight. It's fair game. It's like battle royale up there. I mean, if you could if you could murder your way to a first class seat, uh, go for it, I guess. But the the reclining of a chair on like a ninety minute flight from Atlanta to Miami or something is it's it mean it's it's useless. It's so weird. It's so weird to me that people do it. However, that said, I have been stuck in almost the exact same position that guy has been in, where. You're in like a, a, either it's like the seats that are right before or right after the 
emergency exit row or the bulkhead seat in the very back that doesn't recline and the person in front of me reclines their seat, you just deal with it. You just, you just simmer. You, you write an angry tweet. You don't punch the seat in front of you because it solves nothing. Like, here's the thing. If you're going to go through some sort of behavior, what's the end result of that behavior? What's like the desired result? Is it cathartic? If it's cathartic, Catharsis. if yeah. it's cathartic, then buy a bottle of water, crush the bottle in front of you and pretend like it's, you know, someone that you are upset with. If it's cathartic, tweet really angry and maybe you'll go viral. But, you know, if you're expecting to change someone's behavior, you're never going to do that. You know what I mean? Unless some like unless like an octogenarian is sitting behind you and you recline your seat and they're like, "Excuse me, son, I served in World War II and Vietnam and Korea." And the Gulf War. You'd be like, oh, shit. How is that? Don't you retire at some point, old man? Say, not from kicking your ass. They're like, okay. All right. I guess I'll just move my seat up. Do you want my seat too? I'll stand for the entire flight. So, like, yeah, unless it's a situation like that, you know, you're not going to change anybody's mind. But, uh, you know, the belligerent bashing of the back of the person. And he also – I only, okay, so I don't know how long the video was. I only saw maybe – five seconds of it and it looks like he has like his head down and he's just like constantly badgering the back of her her chair it didn't look like he's actually saying anything he just like had his it looked like he had his head down like he was like this is the hill i'm gonna die on right now yeah it looked like he was watching something on his phone and or reading something on his phone and then he just had his hand up on his tray and just doing the knock 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 i mean how do you how do you deal with that if you're the woman who's in the chair so so let's say you don't do option whatever which is given and bring your chair to an upright position what do you do um, you're on the plane. Yeah, I mean, you're on the plane. Okay, the first it's a guy. It's a it's it's a it's a dude. So there's that dynamic as well. Right. So, so the, the first I thing mean, you do, I is, guarantee you, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be punching the back of your chair. No, because I'm a towering five foot eleven. I I have a very physically imposing, um, you know, aura about me. When they see sure. the mullet, people are just like, don't mess with this guy. Wow. Uh, no, I think so. The first thing you do is go, what the fuck, dude? That's it. It's like, you don't, you don't like turn around. You don't say, hey, excuse me, because it's already, it's already escalated past this. You go, what the fuck, dude? And if they keep going or they say something snide back, bing, you hit the, uh, the flight attendant button. The call button mm-hmm. lights up. The flight attendant comes by and is like, Oh, what seems to be okay? I understand. What's the, I see what the problem is here. Excuse me, sir. Quit being an asshole. And this guy's gonna be like, "Why don't you tell her to, you know, recline the chair back up to the standard position?" Okay, I'll see what I can do. Excuse me, ma'am. He's being a bit of a dick. Is there anything that we can do to help you out here? Nope. Totally fine. Just gonna be rocking back and forth for the next ninety minutes on this, you know, very quick flight. Okay, and then. In that situation, the flight attendant gets the woman a free drink 
and the woman ends up publicly shaming this guy for the rest of his life. I wish we had his name. That would make things even better. This is like the type of thing that you like, you do that you don't think is going to have that big of an impact on your, the rest of your life. And then you have your like face and name attached to it. And then when people Google you for like a job interview 10 years from now, they're like, oh, you were that guy. So, you know, you'll do really well in this sales environment that isn't stressful or frustrating at all. So you don't get up from your seat and walk up uh, to the to the front and mention to the uh, stewardess that you uh, reclined your chair and it seems like the person behind you is continuously jostling you while muttering, uh, you know, uh, prayers under his breath. Uh, Whoa. There's a lot of, is that, is that like, one hey, way to do um, it? Yeah, no, this is, uh, this is, this is Linda from uh, 22F. Uh, I think 23F is putzing around with his shoe a little bit too much. I'm not 100% sure what's going on, but if you guys could just check in on that. Trying to light his underwear on fire? I don't know what's going on back there. Uh, no, I, I, I see what you're, I think, I see what you're trying to do there. I think the call, I think the call light solves that problem. It brings the, the flight attendant um, to the scene of the crime as opposed to forcing you to get out of there. Now the real question though is, so wait, was the lady filming or was one of the bystanders around filming? I think the lady was filming at that point. So the real question is, what is everybody else doing on this airplane? Why isn't anybody going, hey man, quit being a dick? Because it's annoying for everybody. No one within three rows of that scenario had a good flight. No one had a good flight, period. But no one within three rows of that scenario had a good flight. So like, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm dealing with this issue right now. Uh, I think people tend to not say something because they think they're the only person thinking what probably everybody around them is thinking. And, and I'm, I, I, I'm dealing with the, the situation as it pertains to something that's going on at, at my son's school, but which I'm probably not going to get into the details of, but just generally speaking, it's that idea of, oh no, you, you can't, you can't say something because what if then people react to you saying something in a negative way? And what's likely happening is that everybody being subjected to the asshole is thinking to themselves, oh my God, what an asshole. Right? Right. But they're they're just not saying anything because they're scared that the they're the only person. The problem, so I I definitely understand that. Um, I definitely see how that even applies to this. Like that's probably what happened, right? It's way easier to just be like under your breath, man. That guy's being a real dick, and then just ignore it for the rest of the flight. But the problem with that is there's an asymmetric response when this video goes fucking viral. If someone had just stepped in and been like. Hey, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're upset. What are you upset about? It's clearly not that this lady reclined her chair because that's not worth being upset over. What's going on? If someone had just like talked to this guy and convinced him to stop being such a dingus, that issue would have resolved itself. And the only people who ever would have heard of it would have been 
the the people within like the thirteen people within a couple rows of of it going on. And maybe it's like some of the friends and family. You won't believe it. On the flight, there was this guy who lost his fucking mind, kept punching the chair in front of me. Now, it's it's exploded to this point where, you know, like, I joked about it, but it if I don't know if the guy's, like, identity is attached to this thing. But if it is, which, uh, you know, knowing the internet, they probably have, like, the flight records and the seat assignments and they know exactly who this guy was. Uh, and where he worked, and someone probably called his office and was like, you're hired, you employed this person, what is going on here? And it's like, fuck. So, you know, like, now, there's this gigantic response, like, um, so there, I saw another video of another flight, uh, and this lady was on the flight, and she was, like, berating the flight attendant. And I can't remember what it was she was berating the flight attendant for. She was just going off on the flight attendant. And she was going off on someone in the seat. And the flight hadn't even gone anywhere. She was literally just boarding. Like, she got onto the plane pissed. And she was just really belligerent in, like, taking her seat. And, like, I'm so important. I have somewhere to be. You know, I can't believe you guys are wasting my time like this. I think she was just angry at the person in front of her for taking too long and, like, the flight attendant got involved to tell her to calm down. Anyway, so she she like loses it on the flight attendant, and the flight attendant's fine. And she calls up to the the captain because the 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 door is still open to the cockpit. They they're still boarding, and she he's like uh, the flight attendant says, "I want this passenger removed. Like I don't feel comfortable with this passenger on this flight because they were they were clearly being super belligerent." And uh. She immediately changes her tone. She's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm just really stressed. I have this thing. I'm so sorry. And she's like, I don't care. Like, it, it's done. These are the con- This is the consequence for your behavior. It is what it is. Like, there is no coming back from what you just did. That happens probably pretty rarely. But now that we can just film anything that happens at any point and anyone can upload it to the internet where it lives forever, I know that that happened and I saw that video and the context with which I saw that video was like local assistant or like local administrative professional in like the government in like the whatever county or whatever they were in is put on leave after video of her belligerently you know talking to a flight attendant and I was like okay she was a government employee she was like a government employee yeah so I was like, oh, wow. So, you know, this thing that really can be resolved within the very local micro community within which it's taking place, you know, the few rows where that guy and that woman were, or the airplane on which this lady is trying to board, suddenly has to be resolved not on the micro community level where the consequences can meet and appropriately be applied to the behavior, but needs to be sort of, the justice needs to be carried out on this much grander scale. It's like why the Supreme Court doesn't just hear like speeding cases, right? It's, it, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. You don't, you don't like amend the constitution because, you know, none of us, none of us ever take, drive the speed limit. So, it, it, it's just this really strange magnification of people's like the, the, the circle that is behavior, consequence, reaction, behavior, right? 
It's weird. It's really weird. Fuck that guy, though. I mean, he's being a dick, but it's weird. I, I, no, I, I agree with you, and I feel that there's a. I, I think I think people who don't give a fuck about what other people think or feel tend to have some sort of intrinsic advantage in polite society, in a civilized society. Like, for example, uh, a lot of the bullshit that happens on an everyday basis wouldn't have happened like in the Wild West in the 1860s where everybody's packing and there's one police officer, you know, because there the consequences of being a dick uh, are potentially getting shot, you know, whereas, whereas it's, I think it's the same thing with raising kids these days, like kids know, especially in Western society, generally speaking, that the likelihood of coming to physical harm because of an action that they undertake at the hands of their parents is extremely low. And so the fact that that threat of physical punishment has been almost completely eliminated, it's like you see a lot more pushing. It takes a, it's, it's very difficult to be a conscientious parent and try to be uh, you know, empathetic and say, hey, I see that you're frustrated, but uh, I'd really like you to stop uh, you know, laying on the floor and kicking your feet and screaming. Like, what? How? How do you deal with that situation if the child's like, "I'm going to call you on." <laughs> I'm going to call. <laughs> well, I'm going to call you on. On. It's kind of like that. It's yeah, like that you're guy, not. You're not advocating for physical violence, are you? Okay. Here's the. Here's the <laughs> Obviously, I'm not advocating for physical violence. Well, I, I just want to make advocating. that very clear. I just want to make that very clear. No, no, no. I'm not advocating for the phys- for physical violence. I'm advocating for the very real threat of physical violence. Oh. And I think those are two. I think those are two different things. I think, I think people in general, when there is the, they know that there is a chance, like. YouTube has been suggesting a lot of interesting things to me recently. Uh-huh. And one of the, one of the things that for some reason just kept popping up was, uh, I don't remember what it was called. It's a program where they put police officers into a 60 day jail program in order for them to understand what the environment is like from the inside. So they're undercover, mm-hmm. ostensibly speaking, but you know, they're doing it for training purposes and in order to have an understanding of what, what it's like. And it's a show. It's a, it's a show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so having just seen a couple of, of, you know, few minute segments, you realize that in jail, uh, there's a lot of boisterous 
activity in terms of yelling and screaming, but the the threat of physical violence really makes sure that people don't get into uh, fights unless it's over something that they feel is very important. Like not the first pack of cigarettes, but like the third. You know what I mean? Maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. There's there's a lot to break down in what you just said there. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I, I, I think I think if I think if your child believes one hundred percent in their heart of hearts that there is zero circumstance under which I will get swat swatted in the tushy. I'm trying to make this as cute as possible. <laughs> Because, yeah, but okay, so know. okay, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I think what you're saying is, it's it's the same psychology as the nuclear deterrent, right? No one, yes. no one in their right mind thinks that we're ever going to get into a nuclear war because everyone understands that a nuclear war would spell the end of all humanity. So just yes. the fact that it exists, the possibility exists, means that everyone behaves just just two degrees away from insanity which is all it takes which is all it takes for us to make sure that we don't blow everyone else to dust i get that so i understand the psychology you're you're using there with kids i also understand it from like an experiential point of view like we weren't i mean maybe you were i don't know but i was never really i was never really physically punished as a child i can remember it's like count on like one hand how many times mom, definitely not dad, but how many times mom reminded me of the, uh, the balance of power in the house. And each time, now that I'm thinking about it, every time was very fucking well-deserved, very well-deserved. So, you know, it's like, I get it. I understand. I understand. Cause like we never, we didn't grow up with like a looming possibility of physical violence, but I knew that if there was some lines that if I crossed them, there would be absolute hell to pay. But I also feel like the 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 very real potential of physical repercussions to behavior has to be like the very last thing that you're worried about. That that's like that's like the last consequence that should factor into a decision making process. There should be Agreed. like a million different consequences before that one is like the stopgap that that prevents you from stealing a car. You know what I mean? Like you get what I'm saying? I think there's I think there's a lot of steps in, in the middle there. And the the kids example I can imagine is much trickier than with adults. With adults, there is there's no question that we are in a we as in you and I and like anyone who has the technology to listen to this thing are in a very coddled safe world even the most maybe not the most on average we're just in the best possible circumstances that any human has ever lived in forever and ever and so yeah, I, no no I I uh... All, all, I agree. I agree with all of this. I agree with all of this. What, what I'm trying to tell you is that just me personally, if I walk into a space and I look around and my lizard brain 
the lizard portion of my brain doesn't register any actual threats. Okay. It's, it's automatic. It's almost automatic. You kind of look around. You size up the room, of course. You size up the room. Okay. Uh, And you throw uh, one of the chins. You like see the biggest guy in the room. You throw him a chin. You're like, Hey, and he's like, he throws you a chin back and you're like, we're all good. We're good here. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's like, uh, it's like uh, General Mad Dog Mattis. Uh, what? what oh, no, he goes by chaos. That's his call sign. Uh, General Mattis says, "Have a have a plan for have a plan to kill everybody you meet, or yeah. something like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, like, be nice, be polite, but have, have a plan, plan to kill everyone you meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I mean, that's that's good for a general, a Marine general to, to teach his soldiers. But I think generally speaking, human beings, you know, you tend to, you tend to walk into a place and you get a feeling right away, like everything's cool or mm, this doesn't, something's off about this and you're not sure you can't put your finger on it. Right. So, uh, I just think that in that same vein, the, there's it doesn't have to be acted upon almost ever but eliminating that completely i think leads to exactly what you see is people taking advantage of the fact that the consequences what's the worst consequence that happens i get thrown off the plane that's a pretty bad consequence don't get me wrong but like you said it's extremely rare and in most cases the person that's pushy uh, the, the sociopath who has no empathy is the one who benefits because of the rest of society. Uh, this is what we were talking about. Everybody kind of stays quiet and doesn't say anything. And so at what point do you step up and say something? In most cases, if you were to actually run pros and cons, there would be a much longer cons list to actually stepping up and saying something than there is a pros list, especially if it affects people other than yourself because you know in a situation where you have your kids with you let's say you're gonna look at it in a very different way maybe i don't speak up and say hey what are you doing stop talking that way to whomever if i've got my kids with me because the calculus in my brain is that if things go wrong, I have my kids here, and my first priority is to make sure that my kids are safe. You get what I'm saying? I get. What but you're if saying. everybody's thinking that way, then nobody does anything ever, and then that person ostensibly just gets away with whatever they're, you know, they choose to do. I think there. Okay, so there, there's two things I want to say. First off, I'm pretty sure that the context of that Mattis quote is not that you should actually be thinking of exactly how you would kill everyone you meet. I think it's more of training like a situational awareness and tactical advantage mindset of like understand the scenarios you're in and the dynamics of that scenario and how you could handle yourself if everything goes apeshit at that moment. Hopefully. I don't know. I hope that he doesn't... I don't know. I hope he doesn't have to consider, you know, how he's going to murder all the diplomats and shit that he had to deal with every every time that he had to meet someone new in the government. Although in a way, I guess I could I could envision a marine, a lifelong career marine general wanting to just 
end it all every time you have to deal with another bureaucrat. But okay, neither here nor there. I don't know if it's an accurate statement to say that there is some sort of a, a large advantage to sociopathic behavior. And the reason why I don't think it's an accurate statement is because we've evolved for that to be the exception instead of the rule. And I think if it were so advantageous, it would have taken over much more of you know, human behavior. That said, I do think it's necessary, as in there have to be people like that. If everyone is, if everyone is like, you know, if all of society is super empathetic, there isn't enough stress on the system to move it in any direction from amongst itself. Like, I'm not talking about the stress of like, how do I feed this family, this city, this country, or how do I keep us safe from the monsters in the night? Like, you need internal stimuli to move forward. And that internal stimuli comes from, you know, the the burden that sociopathic behavior plays on the system, if that makes any sense. At least that's how I read it. And I think, honestly, I think the golden rule kind of got it wrong, right? The golden rule talks about, like, do unto others what you want done unto you. I think the negative inverse is more valuable. Don't do something to somebody else that you don't want done onto you, yourself. Because that's a much more that's a much easier that's a much easier rule to apply. Don't lose your shit on the Starbucks barista high school student who misspelled your name. You're fine. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Don't lose your shit on the person who rear-ended you in traffic. You're not hurt. It's okay. Right? Like there's there's you could apply that on like a really big magnitude, large scale of, of behavior. But at the end of the day, like what you end up seeing is people who are not necessarily sociopathic in their behavior, but stunted in their like maturity. They just have no way of dealing with things. Their way of dealing with things is meltdown a hundred percent of the time. I don't know if so we get back to the question then, how do you deal with somebody who, who doesn't use the prescription that you just laid out? Um, they don't care. They don't care how anybody else treats them. They just care about the fact that they're going to do what they want. Um, how do you deal with that? You, so you, you said it was, it, it's, it's far too outsized for the internet, you know, internet justice, which is, you know, their face gets plastered all over the place and, uh, you know, they find out where they work and somebody calls them. Okay. I agree. You know what? One mistake shouldn't end your life. Um, you know, even if it's, uh, as, uh, you know, quote unquote egregious as, continuously punching the person's chair in front of you because they, they used it the way it was intended to <laughs> because be used. They used it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the correct response is. I really think that if you, 
you know, if you if you take you can you can slice up communities in a lot of different ways and organizations and and you know groups of people in a lot of different ways. And as you start escalating up the the chain in terms of orders of magnitude, right? So at first, the lady leans her seat back, and this is all assumption because we don't know exactly what happened before he started punching her seat. But let's say at first the lady leans her seat back, and that guy stews about how pissed he is that this lady leaned her seat back. How dare she? That's a one. That's like order of magnitude one. That's him, right? Suddenly you're like, okay, uh, hey, lady. You're being a real bitch, right? He escalates it. It's a second order of magnitude. That's a 10. That's him and the lady. She's like, you know, the seat is what it's here for. Like, I, I want to be comfortable on this 45-minute flight from Burbank to Las Vegas. How dare you? And he's like, okay. And he starts punching the back of the seat. Suddenly he's involved and they have involved everyone in like the three rows around them. That's another order of magnitude. We're at 100. You bring in the flight attendant, you go to a thousand. You just start, you just keep going like one to the 10 of like order of magnitude. Suddenly the president is tweeting about it. The UN has like a speech about it. You know what I mean? Like somewhere in that first few orders of magnitude of humanity is where this should be resolved, handled, and, and brought into place. If you take the same scenario and let's say, you know, Let's say your kids are bickering in the back seat of your car, right? And the windows are down. So it, it could be something that gets exposed to the, the greater population. Let's say your kids are bickering in the back seat of your car. You want to handle that in your car, right? That's, that is the level at which it needs to be, justice must be meted out. That's the correct word, right? That's how you pronounce that. I, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I've only met, ever read the it. word. I've only ever read it. I, I'm, I'm like, is yeah. it a French word? Do I pronounce it? But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, justice must be, you, you need to apply it within that local ecosystem. It would be really, it would be absolutely out of line for some, like a parent in another car to lean over into your car and you know I, I mean I, so I get that. I get that, Armin. I think I think the problem is there's no good answer because the the you know, if that woman had been a six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound tight end sitting next to, you know, 30 other tight ends, you know, that happened to be on that plane, guess what? we wouldn't be even talking about this. That guy wouldn't be punching the chair. No, that Why? guy, that guy would difference? be like, I can't believe I was on a flight with, with all the tight NFL tight ends going to the NFL tight end uh, commission convention meeting convention. Yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> the NFL tight end convention. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the NFL TEC 2020. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, biannual every two years. That's right. That's right. Uh, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. Why not? Because the there would be at least, I mean, realistically, if you sat down and you thought about it, nothing would happen because it it wouldn't happen. They're in a plane, but there would be an underlying threat are of you, violence. Are there. you making? Are you aware that you're making an argument for uh, 
power dynamics amongst genders? Is that is that purposely what you're trying to do right now? That because she's a she was a lady and he was a man, he felt that he could impose his will on her in a very rude way that he wouldn't if it was another man. I mean that uh, sure. I don't. I don't. I'm not really. I mean, I don't know if that argument carries any other, you know, attached premises. Forget, but forget the the, but, the what you're what see what you're referring to is, uh, you you turned it into a man and woman thing, and I and I guarantee that there's probably a dynamic there as well of that. But generally speaking, I'm thinking larger human being versus smaller human being. You know that that person didn't really. He, he probably looked around. He said to himself. He thought to himself, "I'm pissed off about this situation, so I'm going to met out the justice uh, that I, I believe is right in this situation." And the consequence of me meting out this particular form of justice that makes me feel better is, is nothing. We're on a plane. What's going to happen? The absolute worst case scenario. What's that? What would you have done? What if you were? What if you were like the passenger next to the guy doing the punching? Hmm. My initial my initial thought is to directly say something. I mean, that would be that would be like, hey, what what's the problem? The problem is I don't want you reclining your seat. Okay, well. I am going to be reclining my seat for this portion because I'm going to take a nap and I paid for a seat that reclines. Is there, can I buy you a drink? Would that be okay? No, I want you to recline the seat. Well, then we're at an impasse. Now, if he starts punching my chair at that point, I mean, I'm on a plane. What am I going to do? Am I going to unbuckle my seatbelt? Zari Amirian, by the way, am I going to unbuckle my seatbelt? I haven't shaved <laughs> and, and, and Make a scene. stand up and, and start yelling at the guy? Yeah. No, I'm not going to do that because there is an underlying threat of violence. Uh, and that is the violence of everybody else on the plane seeing a Middle Eastern man stand up and start yelling something. Wait, this brown guy with a big nose just started losing his goddamn mind. Get him. Let's roll. Everybody charge. <laughs> How did you end up zip tied on, on your flight to Houston? Uh, well, funny story. <laughs> anyway, listen, speaking of the NFL, the NFL combine's coming up. Yeah, that's usually in March, isn't it? Yeah, it's this, I think it's this weekend. Oh, sick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, the question I have for you is, are you going to watch? Um, is it on, or, can I watch it yeah, on ESPN plus? Probably. Yeah. They'll probably see some of it. Usually, so here's the thing. For me, the open, the, the CrossFit Games open always overlapped with the uh, the Combine. So I always saw the Combine because, you know, over the weekends of the open, we would always go to like, you know, various gyms to work out and sometimes they had the playing there. So that was always my experience with the Combine. The only other time I, I like would watch the Combine on purpose is if I knew, you know, if I'd heard through Twitter or sports radio or whatever that some particularly freakish human being was getting out there and I just really wanted to see like peak human performance. Um, is there a situation like that? Is there someone like a, like a, a clowny out there or is there someone like, is there some like giant fat guy who's going to run like a four two forty and just blow everyone's mind I mean, or what? 
Pro- probably, uh, you know, there always is every year. You know, what, what's interesting to me is that the combine doesn't test actual, well, the, the stuff that we watch is usually the stuff that's not testing any skills. It's testing athleticism, mm. yeah. you know, kind of arbitrary measures of athleticism, whether it's the 40 yard dash or the bench press or the broad jump or, you know, the 20 yard shuttle the vertical. Yeah. Yeah. The vertical, which is always been interesting to me because you see kind of what the NFL values in terms of, you know, the, the sport itself. But I also like it because a lot of people tend to watch that and go, mm, I mean, if you gave me enough time to prepare for some of this stuff, I could probably do pretty good. <laughs> is there, is there like, is there, I mean, you know it because we've, we've actually done some of those tests. Is there any of those tests that you can think of that you would, you would look at and you go, okay, if I had a year, a year to prepare that you could put up a number in just that event that would be comparable to the, like the average performer in that category. Comparable to the average performer in the cat. Okay. So would I be constrained with like, could I become like a 330 pound fat Armin and bench 225 a bunch? Cause I became a power lifter. No, 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 no. No, yeah, well, you could do that if you choose to do but that. But would I have what to I compare mean, to like a lineman at that point? Uh, you'd, you'd compare to kind of whoever is in your size category. Well, then I'm screwed. There's nothing I could do. The people in my size category are like safeties. They're <laughs> defensive backs. The D backs. You know what I mean? Like, like wait, wait, maybe wait. like a so maybe like a small you maybe like a small running back, like a really small running back. What what do you weigh? I'm like 200 pounds. You're you're five foot eleven, 200 pounds. Yeah, that's like a safety, right? Yeah, that's like a cornerback. Okay, so those guys are running like low fours, mid mid fours on the forty, and I it would take a miracle for me to get within a second. No, of you're. That. Ne- you're you're never doing the forty yard dash. Let's leave the forty yard dash out of it. Let's look at yeah, like but they're the also well, they're also benching two twenty five like what twenty times. Twenty times is a lot for somebody that size. How many how many times are they benching two twenty five? Okay, so let's use Christian McCaffrey, who's the running back for the Panthers. All right, I need to see what he looks like. What does he look like? Yeah, does he have He's, does he have a good mustache? He's your size. Okay. I mean, like he's 5'11", 205. Yeah, yeah, 5'11", 205. Okay, so we're the same size. Okay. I I mean, I'd wait to actually see you in the room together, but let's let's just, for the purpose of this conversation, let's say that you're the same size, okay? So Christian McCaffrey and you are the same size. Body comp, obviously, uh, the same as well. Um. Uh, you know, just you're, you're like an NFL running back. He ran a four uh, four eight, dude. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, but he only bench pressed two twenty five ten times. I could do that, not right now, but within a year, easy, I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That that I've got. 
that I, I could uh, listen. You you take here's the thing. You take all athleticism and natural born talent out of it, and you just tell me to become dummy strong. I can get dummy strong. I can absolutely get dummy strong. You want me to bench 225 11 times? I could do that within a year. 100%. 100 fucking percent. You want me to run a 54840 and bench? <laughs> like, that's the real question. That's the real question. Like, can I get within, can I like beat him at anything and get within one standard deviation two standard can I, I could get within two can i get within one standard deviation of his of his 40 time i don't know that's that's how about, how about broad jump how about broad jump uh ooh, no no oh. don't, don't don't look don't look don't look yet what do you think okay so let, what do i think do a guy who ran a four four eight forty can broad jump i don't know 11 feet <laughs> 11 and what a half think, feet what what do you think the record is for the broad jump at the NFL Combine, oh, probably something in the mid twelves. It's right? twelve feet three inches. Oof, that's crazy. 12, yeah, it's twelve feet three inches. I, I, I mean, is that is that Jadavian Clowney that did that? No, no, no. It, it was a uh, it was a cornerback that did it. He, okay, he he jumped. He actually uh, apparently he actually set some sort of world record because people actually broad jump. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't. I mean, anything, you could set a world record in anything, but, uh, but wow. yeah, tw- 12 feet, 12 feet, three inches. That's by the way, that's tips of the toes to, to the heels. heels. Yeah. To your heels. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's standing. So that's no step and you have to land on two feet. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Okay. So you're asking me what I could broad jump. I could broad jump 10 feet. Yeah. I think I could hit 10 feet. I could, I could hit. I could hit 120 inches plus, like maybe 120. How confident are you? Pretty confident, confident in that. Pretty confident in that. What time period would you need in order to? to you give, listen, you give me a year to train like super explosive shit, do a bunch of like uh, plyometric work, like real plyometric work. I, I think I could broad jump 10 feet. I think. What would you be willing to bet on it? Well, I'm not willing to bet a year's worth of work on it, but. You know, I've broad jumped almost 10 feet before, and that was doing like CrossFit, which is, hey man, hold on a second. You're looking at me right now. Do you know what my vertical is? You know what my all-time lifetime vertical is? Oh, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. You might be surprised. Your your vertical. My all-time life vertical measured by an NFL guy on the vertical thingy. In front of other people, so I'm not bullshitting. Okay. What? What? Okay. So, what's a good vertical? What's like a? What do you think a decent vertical is? I'm not. I'm not jumping 40 inches, bro. So you know. No, no, I know that. Let Let's say. Let if you get if you get to, like the high 29 to 31, I would say is probably really really good vertical for a normal guy. I jumped a 33. I don't believe it. You are. So frustrating right now. <laughs> what do you mean you don't, <laughs> don't believe it? Because I don't believe it. You had a standing, yet a standing vertical jump of 33. 33 inches. 33. So can you dunk a basketball? I don't know. No, I can't hold on to a basketball. I don't think so. Maybe with two hands. I don't know. 
That's a you really can good dunk question. a basketball with two no, hands. No, I don't. I don't think so. Why would I be able to dunk a basketball? I'm I'm just curious. No, I, I mean, if you have a, if you're if you're six feet tall, I'm not six feet tall. Five <laughs> eleven. <laughs> Go on, do your math. Let's see it. Five eleven. I mean, if you if you're five eleven, yeah, and you could jump three feet into the air. I'm not jumping three feet. I'm jumping thirty three inches. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Okay. Let's. You're jumping 33 inches. Okay. okay. So I'm like eight and a half feet up into the what, air. What's your reach? Over what you your don't head? know is I have very short arms. <laughs> very short arms. So 33 inches, huh? What's the what's the height of a what's the height of a of a, a rim basketball arm? Ten feet. Is that a regulation rim? The rim to the floor is 10 feet. So I should be able to jump and touch the rim, right? I mean, if you have a 33-inch vertical, yeah, you should probably be able to stand underneath the rim uh-huh. and then uh, jump straight up into the air and touch the rim. Yeah, I would guess that you'd be able to do that. Can you do that? <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. I don't think you can do it. I don't know if I can do that, actually. No, you know what? No, no, no. I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with my memory on this one. I'm gonna stick with my memory on this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I remember having that that vertical. Okay. Can you fact. look up Christian McCaffrey's because you had it in front of you? What's Christian McCaffrey's broad jump and his vertical? Um okay. Christian McCaffrey dominated at the twenty seventeen NFL Combine is the name of this article, by the way. So well, of course he's his showing was a statement. <laughs> Okay, let's see. Um, 5'11", was his uh, his his stats when he got in there. 40-yard dash was a 4.48. Uh, That's fast. 37-and-a-half-inch vertical. Okay, hold on. Let's stop That's right there. crazy. Oh, my God. Let's stop right there. So what you're telling me is that... I'm within, tw- I'm within 20% of his vertical. 20%. You're within 15%. You're almost within 10% of his that's, vertical. That's like a standard D. I'm like, he's he's a he's a fucking outlier, bro. I'm just like, I'm I'm at the top end of normal distribution. You know, like I train a bunch, I do a lot of explosive work, but like not exclusively. Top end of normal distribution. No? Uh, you know what? We need to do it. We need to do like a combine. That would be bad. <laughs> that would be really bad. We need to do a combine. We need to do a like a uh, a combine. What did he broad jump? Um, I'm yeah. guessing like ten feet four inches or something like that. It doesn't if have I, his I broad jump on here. Uh, okay. His three cone was six five seven though. Okay. Which says it's one of the best ever. Yeah, that is that's very fast. Uh, let's what see. about his twenty yard shuttle? We've done that. What was our 20 yard? We did that a long time ago. Probably around the time, probably around the time that I did my, (laughs) I did my 33 inch vertical. (laughs) Well, like, like really, really fast 20 yard shuttles are in the low four seconds, high three seconds range. Okay. His 20 yard was a 2.6. Excuse me? Oh, no, no. That's on his, that's on his 40 yard dash. Sorry. 20 yard shuttle is 4.22. Four two two, yeah, that's yeah. fast. That's pretty. Uh, vertical, yeah. His okay, so I don't think I could jump ten feet. Now that I'm thinking about it, 
Because his broad jump was 10 feet 1 inches. So I guess maybe I would jump 9 feet. Which makes sense. Here's why it makes sense. Let me give you the math here. It's my height plus my vertical, right? I'm basically falling over and jumping at the same time as far as I can. So, you know, if I just fell, I would I would end up having moved... Is my math not checking out here? I don't. I don't know. But but here's what I'm interested. Now that you've seen Christian McCaffrey and you've actually seen Christian McCaffrey, you know, uh, like dominate NFL athletes with his athleticism in real time during games. I hope you have because you drafted him yeah, to yeah. your fantasy team. Yeah, 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 yeah. By okay. the way, hold on a second. Can I just tell you right now? Yes. That this website, NFLcombineresults.com, is fucking high. So they have all of his stats here, right? We've been talking about how redonkulous his stats are. And they gave him an overall rating of 59 out of 100. A D. A big red D. And then when you look at his, like, his out of 100 ratings for each of the individual... They gave him a 41 out of 100 for size. They gave him a 79 out of 100 for speed. A 79? They gave him a 67 for agility, a 65 for quickness, and a 23 for strength. This doesn't sound right. Yeah, that's because there are guys like, I don't know, Calvin Johnson, who was six foot five, 220 pounds, and ran you know, a four, three something and then jumped 42 inches or something like that. So, so, uh, no, I, I, I mean, I think just grading him on pure athleticism as compared to other NFL athletes who have participated in the combine, I still think a D is a little bit, uh, I think a, a D is a little harsh. Uh, especially considering when you see what he's done. Hmm. But I mean, in that case, a guy like Jerry Rice probably got like, you know, a, a failing grade. You know, he ran, he ran a slow 40, relatively slow to other wide receivers. I'm just curious about what the public's perception of non-skilled athletic feats are when they don't have a lot of experience doing them. Probably that they are much easier than they seem because right. you look at it and the person doing it probably looks, uh, you know, the person doing it is probably like making it look relatively effortless. And it's just like, oh, okay. Um, well, I guess I could do that. That's within reach. It's the same thing that happens in CrossFit all the time. Yeah. Um, I was looking up, I was looking up Julian Edelman's, uh, scores because I was like, man, he's really fast, but I could probably, I might be able to match him. He's not too big of a freak of nature, but um, he didn't do the combine. I didn't know that. I believe Julian Edelman was initially a quarterback. Yeah, and it looks like he has a he has a documented forty yard of uh, four five two. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know. That's pretty fast still. That is still pretty fast. Oh, Did you man. get a chance to see the uh, the Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury fight? I saw a couple highlights. I didn't watch the fight because it was going on while I was in Miami for Wadapalooza. 
Um, but mm. I saw some highlights, and um, I didn't realize that Tyson Fury's nickname is like the coolest nickname, Gypsy King, Gypsy King Fury. I just think King Fury is a cool nickname, but Gypsy King is interesting as well. Um, Do you know the story behind it? Yeah, he's like actually a gypsy, right? He's like people. Yeah. He's like, you know, he comes from a he, long line of gypsies. He's Brad Pitt from Snatch, except he's six foot nine. Is he really but, that big? Yeah, he's he's six foot nine. He weighed in at two hundred seventy three pounds for this fight. And wow. Yep. And uh, yeah, he's he's named the Gypsy King. The Gypsy King is actually a title amongst his people. No. Uh, okay. Stop. No, it. no. I'm. Stop. I'm a hundred percent serious. Uh, you can look this up, this and everybody right else can look. This up. Let's fact okay? check. I don't believe this for one second. It's an earned title because amongst his particular group of travelers, they all fight. They all box and the best boxer amongst the traveling folk is known as the gypsy King. His father was the gypsy King before him. His grandfather was the gypsy King before that. And I mean, if you look at his father, his father looks and sounds like a clone. They're they're like cloned from each other. He's a giant, giant man that looks like he looks like the kingpin basically his father but uh yeah he he's the actual gypsy king why is tyson fury called the gypsy king uh let's see tyson fury is a distant relative of the better knuckle boxers uriah burton and bartley gorman both considered king of the gypsies hence fury's own nickname gypsy king um He was born in Withenshaw, Manchester. He was born three months premature and weighed only one pound. Did you know that? Yes, I did. His father, John, named him after Mike Tyson. Wow. Yes. He is of Irish traveler heritage and in boxing uses the name Gypsy King. What is a Gypsy King? Um, associated with mythical powers? No. Lineal championship? Is that what this is? No. Yeah. There we go. No, no. A lineal championship is a world championship title held initially by an undisputed champion and subsequently by a fighter who defeats the reigning champion in a match. No, that's well, not he, he is he is the lineal champion, but it's a form of lineal championship in the sense that the best fighter amongst the gypsies is known as the gypsy king. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, um, that's pretty cool. Fear's nickname comes from his Irish travel heritage on both his mother and father's side. Uh, he said in 2016, I'm a gypsy and I will always be a gypsy. I will always be fat and white and that's it. <laughs> that's really funny. His father was Gypsy John Fury. And he has a traveler heritage through his wife. No. He has a traveler heritage with the King of the Gypsies, Uriah Burton and Bartley Gorman. Come on, man. You're making it sound like he was given a crown and there was some sort of a... No, no, no. It's not a political position. It's like it's like saying the lion is the king of the jungle. 
And he's the king of the gypsies. Okay. He's the king of the gypsies. <laughs> the lion is the king of the jungle. And Tyson Fury is the king of the gypsies. There you go. That's right. But yeah. now he's not just the king of the gypsies. He's also the king of heavyweight boxing. He's the baddest man alive. He is the baddest man alive. Uh, I did well, see... I, did... I don't know. Heavyweight, heavyweight MMA also is, would have an argument for that, right? So what you're saying is you want to see... Who's the heavyweight champion right now? DC? No. No. Stipe? Uh, Stipe Miocic. Stipe is the champion right now? Okay, so you don't want to see DC or Stipe, you want to see DC, uh, Stipe go up against Tyson Fury? Stipe you know? called him out. I mean, he it'd be the same thing that happened with Floyd and, and Connor, right? Like a boxing match wouldn't really go well for Stipe. Yeah, I think I think a boxing match with any MMA fighter would go very and poorly. And an MMA, MMA match fighter. would go really, really poorly for Tyson Fury because he, you know. Well, yeah, absolutely. So there you go. Absolutely. This will never be resolved. It just is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. And I would, I would strongly discourage any boxer from stepping into an MMA match uh, because they are going to be overwhelmed and smothered the moment they get on the floor. And I would strongly discourage MMA fighters from getting into a boxing match because it's a totally different sport when, you know, you don't have to worry about the threat of a takedown or elbows in the clinch or, you know, any sort of, of those phases of fighting that happens in MMA. It does make, it does make the fight a lot different. No kicks to worry sure. about. It's a much different game. Sure. Sure. There's a good breakdown, honestly, of the uh, fight this past weekend and the things that Tyson Fury did that allowed him to dominate uh, the, the boxing side of it. I mean, he put a beat down on Wilder, but it was the boxing that was dominant. I recommend that you watch it. it it's Luke, Luke Thomas, and he did like a breakdown of the little things that Tyson Fury was doing from a technique standpoint that made such a huge difference. And when you watch it, you start to appreciate that it's not just two guys standing there trying to punch each other, uh, that there's a lot that goes into it. I'll look that up for sure. Yeah. You see, um, you see, uh, star Wars, uh, the new star Wars announcement. Uh, I saw something trending the high Republic, I think is what I saw trending, but I don't know what that is. What is that? So it's a, it's star. It's like the new star Wars. I think it's a book comic book. Like it's the era that they're introducing. And that era is 200, 200 years before the prequels. Okay. Still a little too close for my comfort, but okay. Go on. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's two hundred years. So Yoda's still alive and is presumably on the council, right? <laughs> we, we have there has been no mention of Yoda. It's just it they they've been very general in the sense that it's uh it's about uh, a time when the Republic was at its height, basically, and that the Jedi were kind of like peacekeepers. And they're introducing a new threat, new threat called the 
the Nile. Like N-I-L-E? No, N-H-I-L. Okay. And the Nile are like Star Wars Vikings, I guess. Like they, they're like interstellar bandits and warriors. Okay. Yeah. So, I assume that the the NHIL spelling probably has to do with nihilism. Uh, right, of and, course. Yeah. You know, so it feels a little bit like Do you remember that do you remember that sci-fi series uh Of course, the the second that I'm going to mention it, uh, Firefly. Do you do you remember Firefly? Uh, wait. You mean like the the TV show slash movie? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, with the Reavers. With the Reavers. Yeah, yeah. They sound like the Reavers. Oh, interesting. Well, okay. I mean, that was my first impression. Why? Why don't they? Why don't they? There are there are other threats. There are things to worry about. But like, why put it so close? I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I don't know that I didn't know that it was like two hundred years before the prequels. Two hundred years before the prequels is Shiv Palpatine presumably not born yet, but not by much, right? Assuming that he has like really strong dark side powers, he could be like two hundred years old. By the time the prequels show up, who knows? So what? Uh, Plagueis, Darth Plagueis, the Wise is hanging out. So like, are we not even talking about the Sith? Are they just like, okay, the Sith are in hibernation right now? That's the thing. Like, George Lucas did nobody any favors by by setting up the world the way he did. But no one is doing themselves any favors by only looking at the timeline that exists in this very small period of time. Like, why are we going two hundred years? Two hundred years ago in our timeline is what we're talking about the early 19th century that's like a western so it's like cowboys versus indians so that's basically what they're I, doing i think that's what they're going to do there it is that's that's they're, they're going back to cowboys versus indians that's what they're doing the fact that you and i could just get to that moment within 30 seconds of of hearing the bare details of what they're trying to do um is worrisome is very worrisome but yeah I, 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 it won't just be cowboys and Indians. It'll also be a commentary on current uh, American leftist politics. I think <laughs> they always are. It'll it'll be like look at this incredible society that was a bunch of. It'll be a bunch of human Jedi who are in control, and the the non-human. The non-human humanoids will be struggling to find their place that's, amongst that's the, the high society. You can't. You can't. Okay. So here's the thing: when you say that they're gonna they're gonna go into a time where the Jedi are peacekeepers, that that sounds like that doesn't sound like the knights. Like it doesn't sound like the you know, the knighthood or the almost like samurai-esque feel of what 
the Jedi. But I think that, that that's that what they might be doing. They okay. might be doing like like a literal Knights of the Round Table type thing. Okay. Yeah. That Where, could be cool. I guess yeah. that could be cool. I, I mean, listen, I'll I'll have an open mind. And we'll 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 see what they do. It sounds like it's uh, something that they've pretty much thought out. Here, here's what here's what they're doing. Here's why they're doing what they're doing, and not dealing with anything that exists. They probably whatever deal that they had with Lucasfilms was that anytime they used anything that George Lucas actually made himself, they have to give him a chunk of it. So, so. They bought Star Wars, right? But part of the agreement was probably a continuing license on the use of any stories or ideas that were previously written. Mm. So if you try to use a character, it's it's like what Star Trek is going through right now. Have you watched any of the Picard series? No, I haven't. I feel like I feel like they they did a good enough job with the next generation. I'm not I'm not sure I I want it bad enough to risk sullying the good name of Jean Luc Picard. So like everything is off by like twenty five percent. You know the the manner in which like even the characters refer to Jean Luc Picard as JL. That's that's the most 21st century thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And I'm saying that because I actually have a friend whose boyfriend is named Jean-Luc and we call him JL. <laughs> and I was like, and when wait, I met him, I was wait, like, I'll wait, never wait, forget your wait, name wait. because of Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> wait, wait one second. Wait one second. His parents named him after the, the Star Trek captain? I mean, ostensibly... He is around you didn't the age. There's no way he is named that. He's he's older than he's older than the next generation, right? When did when did TNG come out? Like the early '90s, right? He's my age, so he must have been born before that. Wait, he's your age? Yeah. How old are you? Thirty. I was born in '89. Uh, Star Trek Next Generation, I believe was 90s, but you know what? I don't know. I, I don't know. 1989? There's no way his parents were naming him Jean-Luc after Jean-Luc Picard, even if no. the series started in yeah. 1987. No way. No it, way. No. It would be, that, would, that would be a bad move. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's a thing. So, I, that's really funny to me because I know a guy named Jean-Luc and we call him JL. How many Star Trek jokes do you make, though, when you hang out with... I've, I've only he lives in LA. I've only hung out with him a couple times, and after the first time, when I was like, "Oh, sick!" like John Luke Picard, and his response was, "Yep, everybody says that." <laughs> I was like, "All right, not the right audience." Gotcha. <laughs> He's like, uh, "Hey, Armin, would you like a glass of water?" And you're like, "Make, Make it, it so." so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, I prefer Earl Grey, hot. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, I haven't watched any of I haven't watched any of Picard. Okay. Yeah, I I feel like that's probably what they're doing. That they wanted to pick a time period where there was almost you know no stories written about, so that they can kind of create you know whatever they want without having to pony up any extra cash because yeah. they're using 
characters that already exist. If they go too so far I'm back, sure, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'm yeah. sure like a Yoda probably shows up, but shows up in such a way that it's just incidental to the story. I felt like they did a really good job with Mandalorian of like building a, a story inside of the universe that takes place around the same time as everything else, but has nothing really to do with it. Like it sets up its own storylines using characters that, you know, we're not already familiar with. Like that was pretty cool. That's what the, that's what star Wars needs more of. Like this, this world is so big. The fact that every major movie has all not just dealt with, but directly included the characters from the very first movie that was ever made. And the only expansion of like the only official expansion in the movies has been telling stories about the characters we already know is like kind of lame. Like the solo movie. I liked the solo movie. I actually enjoyed watching it. I thought it came out, you know, enjoyable, but at the end of the day, like you're telling me everything that made Han Solo, Han Solo from like how he got his name to how he got the millennium Falcon to doing the Kessel run to like all of the things that to why he shoots first to why he's, he's against love. Like everything that happened to him that made him the character we know and love from, uh, uh, from a new hope basically happened over like a 10 day period of time on like one heist job. And it's like, man, you really are shrinking this world instead of growing it in any meaningful way, which is what makes, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. That's what I mean. I like, agree. You can't go too far back. They they can't go so far back in the storyline into the old Republic because then you kind of have to talk about Revan and like, you know, that's one of the coolest fucking storylines that Star Wars has ever had. And it just happened to be a great video game at the same time. Or like, you know, the 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 fact that there's so many creative people that have come up with so many great storylines and you know new ways for jedi to be challenged or decision making for them to be you know conflict uh driven and not just good versus evil conflict but like you know uh lineage versus you know death like fate versus uh choice and you know do you really want to keep this 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 dichotomy going of it being good good guys versus bad guys and you know like so many really cool fucking stories uh, and yet here we are just rehashing so many similar stories over and over again. For what end? To what per for what purpose? For so what? It, like, you know, it, it, no, it is a shame. It is a shame. Uh, although I did see a rumor kind of associated because Disney's involved that Marvel was looking at purchasing DC did you see this? What? Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. So there are <clears throat> there are some indications of an upcoming fairly major crossover event between Marvel and DC in the kind of the comic book realm. And the rumors are that Marvel might be looking at acquiring DC. That would be huge. That would be bigger than huge. It would be gigantic. I think so. I do mean, you, do, do, you, do you want to see like the, the DC characters become Marvelized? Like just that 
just put into that formula and all of a sudden no i don't think it would be positive superman's wise wisecracking no no i don't think it would be positive but it would be huge you know yeah. uh i felt like i don't know i think dc dc got so caught up in trying to be like marvel that they completely biffed the delivery um at least the first few times they tried. I thought Shazam was really good. I thought, I enjoyed um, it. you know, I, I think <clears throat> the the Joker came out really good. Um, you know, but the Joker didn't feel like a Marvel movie, did it? A Marvel I mean, movie? Shazam, no. no, no. Shazam felt like a little bit like a Marvel movie. Right? Yeah, it did, it did feel a little bit like a Marvel movie, but uh, Joker. The the what I'm saying is that they they have come into their own, right? The the relationship they're coming with um, the, the sort of format they're creating for their movies, like dark and gritty is cool. Nolan verse is cool, but even that trilogy really started dragging near the end. Like you could tell he was so fucking over making these Batman movies. Um, but at the same time, like you don't need to make super connected universes with every movie being leading into one big bad because it ends up being it ends up feeling the same like even if they made half the amount of movies in the same amount of time as marvel does if those movies are like even loosely connected or you know sort of just telling uh stories that are one-offs like comic books or like special edition comic books like it would be really fucking cool to see like tower of babel show up as a uh, a movie, right? Like that could be your Avengers esque movie where all these different guys are in it, but it's not some existential galaxy destroying threat that's showing up from out of the solar system to destroy the earth. It's like, Oh shit. What happens when someone, you know, infiltrates and outsmarts the bat to the point where they're able to use his own advantages against everyone else on the team. Like that's a cool story. That's really fun. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they, they're better off doing these one-off things than they are trying to create like a, a DC extended universe movie world. Because, god damn, the movies weren't good, man. They were really not good. They were like entertaining if you were okay with being brain dead for a couple of hours. But even then, it just was not... It was not it. <laughs> it was just not it. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think it's hard to keep doing origin stories. I think it's difficult to, you know, take characters that are so iconic and make sure that you do them justice and get them right and that they feel right. You, you get what I'm saying? That they feel like the character that you've grown up reading or or even seen in past you know, movies or TV shows. So it's hard, especially because of how incredibly iconic, you know, DC's pretty top heavy in terms of its, of its popular uh, characters. So Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, you know, the Justice League in general, those are really kind of, well-developed characters with a huge history and then trying to create a movie that 
satisfies, you know, sensibilities amongst Hollywood producers and studios while at the same time meeting the expectations of the fans, it's difficult. It's really hard. I mean, look at how terribly Star Wars did it, you know? And so uh, what ends up occurring is I think what you see with Star Wars where everybody is trying to pretend like it was some huge success and uh, because the movies made, you know, a billion dollars at the box office, but I don't think it was a successful enterprise. I think they hurt the, I think they hurt the IP tremendously with the manner in which they went about doing what they did. And now instead of working from, an advantage, a position of an advantageous position, they're working from behind, trying to catch up. And they've burned up all the goodwill with the hardcore fans. So everything that they do is going to have this air of caution and distrust from the hardcore fans. And they're going to have to earn those people back. The good news is nerds like you and me are fairly easily entertained and placated and so i'll give it a chance yeah i'll I'll give give it a chance chance. i just feel um you know the thing that made a new hope so cool to watch like that first trilogy so cool to watch wasn't that the main character was doing a backflip over a tie fighter and cutting its wing off for no fucking reason it was that, you know, an anonymous orphan with a, a sense of adventure and a heart that tells him to do the right thing and believe in the good of others goes off on a life and galaxy changing series of adventures and realizes that there's more to him than was. It's like. The thing that made it fucking cool was that it tells a story that we feel in our goddamn genetics. It, it's, right. It's like it's, right. it's the same reason why the Mandalor the Mandalorian works. It's the same fucking reason. A lone bounty hunter out for blood rediscovers his humanity through an orphan that he needs to protect. Every human being on the face of the planet hears that story and thinks, yes, my, my genetics tell me that this is, this is the right type of story to be told. No one hears a story of fucking who knows what. No name person on page one, page two, kicks everybody's ass. The end, right? That story isn't interesting. Nothing interesting happened there. So... You know, there's, there's like that, that's what they need to get back to. They need to get back to these, like the, the prototypes of these mythologies and these stories and, and be creative in how they subvert things within those, within those, because like all the best stories in the world follow those types of structures. They follow those, those types of characters and, you know. I don't know. Maybe there's. I I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, at its heart, it was a coming of age story. Uh, Somebody who 
had great potential and struggled to realize that potential and then ends up uh, coming across the greatest threat to him at that moment and finds out that it's actually his father. And then he descends into the belly of the underworld, uh, AKA the death star to save his father uh, and bring him back to the light. Yeah. There's something very fundamental about the manner in which human stories are told, you know, that that's mythological back, you know, back to the very beginning of written history. We're not even written history. It's like, it's like, these are the stories that people that cavemen told each other around fires under the stars. It's like Luke Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. Same names. Ooh, ooh, Skywalker. Uh, It's the same stuff. It's the same stuff, you know? And if you can stumble onto that type of uh, like core simplicity in the in the type of story that you're telling, I think it resonates with a lot of people, whether they understand yeah. why or not. One one last thing, going back to uh, a discussion that we had in our first, have you been following the coronavirus stuff? Oh yeah, we're fucked. We're all fucked. Everything's fucked. I fly so much, dude, and I was I was on my way to Miami this past week, um, and my flight. Uh, passed through Atlanta, one of the busiest airports in the world. And I saw one person wearing the face mask and I was like, God damn it. I'm screwed right now. I'm so screwed right now. Um, but yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard some, I haven't been following it super closely, but I've heard that there's basically no stopping it from becoming a global epidemic at this point. And I heard really weirdly, like Iran apparently has like, uh, like a like a 25% mortality rate it has like 70 cases and 18 deaths or something like that. I was like, "What?" In- including and th- this is why I brought it up because I saw this it was really funny. So yesterday the Iranian health minister along with the deputy health minister gave an update to journalists from around the world about kind of what Iran was doing. And they were like, you know, everything's under control. Iran's got this handled. And during that press conference, the deputy health minister was like sweating profusely, grabbed like a napkin off the table and wiped his face. He looked like he wasn't doing well. And so meanwhile, they're saying that it's under control. Well, today it was confirmed that he actually, the deputy Minister of Health tested positive for the coronavirus. <laughs> what the hell? No way, dude. It's worth watching the video. It's actually it's actually pretty funny from an ironic standpoint that that guy is up there talking about how it's not a problem. Meanwhile, the person standing next to him is infecting every single person in the room with the coronavirus. <laughs> uh I just I just got a, a news announcement on my phone that Bob Iger has stepped down as CEO of Walt Disney, and that he is going to assume the role of executive chairman. Hmm. And that the new CEO is Bob Chappick. Who was I don't the, know who Bob. Chappick he was the chairman is. of Disney Parks Experiences and Products. 
Disney parks and experiences of products. Yeah. The the one the one thing Disney didn't mess up. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they messed that up too. I don't know. So do you think that was just that's just a timing thing or do you think the board was like, "Listen, you like you guys killed it with Marvel, but you messed up you messed up this 5 billion dollar Star Wars purchase so so badly." I mean, it remains to be seen what that, I think it looked like he was going to stay on and still be in charge of all the creative. Uh, mm. So my guess is if I had to take a guess, you know, CEO's job is to project, you know, 10, 15, 20 years in the future, maximize shareholder value on the, on the timeline, move the company in a position to succeed over time. And, uh, it's less and less about the movies and the TV shows and more and more about the experience and the, the, you know, whatever it is else, the zhuzh that, that is, that is built around those movies. So the fact that they're bringing in the guy who's like the head of um, product and parks and experiences probably tells me that like Disney's, if I had to, if I had to make a wild fucking prediction right now, my guess is Disney's trying to trying to end up building something like Ready Player One, and you just live inside of this like virtual experience. It's like populated with the characters and worlds that that the creative side of things have like you know built out for you, but the actual you know, future is like augmented reality and virtual reality mm. and the experiences like that would be my guess. Yeah, we're, we're already, we're already seeing, uh, Minecraft is coming out or has come out. I think they're coming out with a, uh, with an augmented reality version of their game, which is, which looks pretty cool from when you think about it, you can build Minecraft creations in the real world and they stay there. Wow. And then people, people can interact with them. So it's augmented reality. So like, let's say Zach was playing with his Minecraft walking, you know, on our, the sidewalk in front of our house, he could put his iPad or whatever device up, build a, some sort of creation in our front yard. And then they would stay there and he would just walk away. And then other people walking by who have the game could bring up their device and see what he had created and interact with it. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really wild. So, so yeah, there, you know, there's, I mean, we saw Pokemon do it. I think Pokemon was really the first super successful augmented reality game, right? Yeah. Pokemon go. Yeah. Whereas like you can catch a Pokemon that's standing on the sidewalk that you're walking out. I remember Zach was crazy about that game. You know, I heard a rumor that the company behind Pokemon Go, Niantic, I think is what it's called. Yeah. That their main business is actually provided by like securities contracts. Yeah. What, wait, you mean they're, what do like, you mean by their Like what business? they, what they make their money off of is 
either has to do with the the sort of massaging and analysis of the data they collect being sold to um, like government agencies, or it has to do with developing technology that does things like that for government agencies. I, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but the person I was talking to was very convincing and also connected I, I, well enough that they might be able to feed, feed this in, directly into my veins. Yeah. So this is, so, I see this thing. I need, I, I, I don't remember who it was I was talking to about it because, and it, I don't remember if it was a privileged conversation or not. So I need to see. No, 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 no. If it's, if it's off the record, it's off the record, but I love conspiracy theories in all of their forms. And the idea that the largest, most successful Pokemon game is really uh, a company that's collecting your data and selling it to the government. I, I, I like that idea. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, in 2016, I don't like the idea that they're doing that. I just like the idea of like, Hey, here's an actual evil corporation using a children's game in order to collect information on it's like it's like the underpinnings of a social credit system. Um, it's like wow, you spend a lot of time at that liquor store catching a Pokemon. <laughs> um, okay, so this is this is a big this is a, a bigger article, um, but here's the general timeline that makes a little bit of sense here. Uh, Pokemon Go is. Niantic, right? Niantic Labs. So if you right. go back, uh, a company called Keyhole Incorporated was founded yep. by John Hankey, who worked in a, quote, foreign affairs position within the U.S. government. Okay. Yep. Company, it always goes back to the CIA. Yep. Oh, you have no idea. That company was named after I in the Sky military satellites, Keyholes. Um, one of the key early backers of Keyhole was a firm called InQtel which is the venture capital firm uh, run by the CIA. The money for InQtel to invest in Keyhole came from the NGA, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, which uh, provides combat support for the DOD and intelligence to the NSA and CIA. Keyhole created Google Earth. So... That was that was what uh, their product was that that they got acquired by Google and they created Google Earth. And in 2010, Niantic Labs was founded inside of Google by John Hankey. And over the next few years, Jag uh, Niantic created two two games slash apps. One was called Field Trip, in which a smartphone application where users walk around and find things. And the other was Ingress, a sci-fi game where players walk around between locations in the real world. And in 2015, Niantic spun off from Google and started Pokemon Go. So that's already a little... There's there's some connections there uh, that are interesting. The Pokemon well, you Go... Mentioned Google. You that? mentioned Google. Yeah, you mentioned that's, Google. That's... Yeah. Pokemon yeah. Go apparently can access the following information via your phone. 
Um, all the accounts on the device, all the contacts on the device, the precise location and approximate location, so both GPS and network-based. Uh, it can read, modify, or delete any content on storage. Um, it can take pictures and photos. It can receive data, control vibration, pair with Bluetooth. All this stuff makes sense, right? And then based on the access to your uh, information and coupled with the design of Pokemon Go, the game has no problem storing, sharing the following information. Where you are, where you have been, what route you take between those locations, when you were at each location, how long it took you to get there, what you're looking at in that current moment, what you have looked at in the past, what you look like, and what files you have on your device and the entire content of all of those files. It doesn't sound any more nefarious than like Instagram, honestly, but um, I think I think Niantic is uh, yeah I think Niantic is is an arm of the CIA. I'm gonna go out there and say it. I'm gonna say it. Niantic's arm of the CIA. <laughs> more of this. I love I, I I like the conspiracy talk. Uh, you know the the it, it's not surprising to me. I mean, you create something that's incredibly addicting and that a lot of people use in order to, uh, you know, collect data about the manner in which people move. I, I It might not even be, I, I don't actually believe this, but it might not even be nefarious. You know, it could just be they're using the data on a large scale to see, analyze certain trends whatever the case might be, but it's probably nefarious. It's probably nefarious. Let's, I mean, let's, we'll, we'll go with that. Let's, let's lean into, let's lean into that. Um, I like it. I, I like yeah. it. I, I'll see if I can figure out more about this and, uh, and maybe see if I can remember who it was that we're, that, that I was talking to um, that may have been mentioning this, but uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll come back onto this one. Cause this is interesting. The fact that the, um, the CIA's investment arm is investing in the companies by a guy who used to work in quote foreign affairs for the government. It's just got like a Tom Clancy vibe to it that I really love. So. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime we get to talk about uh, the government and intelligence agencies, I think is pretty pertinent to stuff that's going on these days. So maybe we will. Maybe we will circle back on this one. Absolutely. Well, dude. Okay, Armin. This has been wonderful. Really, As usual. Really appreciate your time here. Um, and we'll Likewise. Uh, we'll catch up next week. Yeah. Well, also, I'm I'll see, see you this weekend. weekend. Yeah, I'll see you this weekend in Salt Lake City. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, my brain yeah. still doesn't work from Wadapalooza. Yeah. And then and then we'll have a nice download about that that trip, and we can talk some more about. Uh, activities that uh, government intelligence agencies shouldn't have been doing. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, buddy. <laughs> okay, Armin. Later, bud.